Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Um, this will be lesson six of our series entitled One Another. Um, man, I wish the left side w- would have distributed a little more easily to the, or evenly to the right side. We're going to play, a, what is that called, where you have different chairs? Musical chairs. Thank you. Yes, thank you. It's been a while since I've done that game. How many of you have seen like, those videos that go viral of people playing like musical chairs? I like these like pep rallies and stuff and someone will pull a chair out from under someone. I saw one the other day where like this girl actually tackled someone like in the midst of musical chairs and then she thought she was going to win so she ran and she jumped to sit in the chair and like as soon as she did she like hit the edge of it and it shot out and she fell and stuff so anyways it was, that has nothing to do with anything but uh, other than the fact that we need more people on the right side. So anyways, Romans chapter number 14 is where we're going to be. We've been in our series entitled One Another, basically walking through the different one another commands of Scripture. And so well, a couple weeks ago, we talked about be kind one to another. Um, hopefully that's an easy one for us to knock out. Well, today we are going to be talking about edify one another. Edify one another from Romans chapter number 14. We'll begin reading in verse number 10. And the Bible says this, but it says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or any occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For me, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Would you go back and would you read verse number 19 out loud together with me? Verse number 19, if you don't have your uh, Bible, that's okay. You can just listen as we read. But it says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Things wherewith one may edify another. Let's pray, and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that we are a part of a faith that is not called upon to live in isolation. Lord, there are others around us. And Lord, may those around us be edified and encouraged by our life, but Lord, may we also be an encouragement to those around us. Lord, may we intentionally find and seek people out 
that we may bring peace to their life, that we may lift them up when they need it, that we may be able to run alongside them in difficulty. And God, I thank you so much that you are a God who one of these days when we stand before you will give an answer for what we've done in this life. To some, that is difficult. To some, that may be scary. But God, I'm thankful that you are a God who keeps us accountable. But Lord, most of all, through your grace, we understand that we can have salvation. Lord, that we can stand before you one day clean and righteous and perfect. But Lord, may we also, on this life and in this life, Lord, may we serve you. May we help others around us. In your name we pray. Amen. The word edify is not one that most of us use in our day-to-day -day language. Probably if you look back at your week and your vocabulary from this week, you did not use the word edify, okay? If you did, then congratulations. You, you are a, of a higher level than the, than the rest of us, okay? But you don't use the word edify. When I was a little kid and I would hear certain words said in church or certain words preached about, the word edify was one of the ones that always made me think of food. I'm not really sure why. It just sounds like it would be some sort of grammar, um, whatever they call it, when it's parsing, um, that like eat, eat, and have, eat, and have edified or something like that. And so it always made me think of food. But when you actually get into it and you look at the word edify, there are some of that, there's some of those connotations in it, meaning this that you as a human being have the ability to nourish or bring up someone's life. You have the opportunity to speak into someone. If you've ever had a plant that you've tried to keep alive in your house or maybe in your room or uh, in your dorm room or whatever, you understand that if you ignore it long enough, now I know that there's plants now that it says, like the little tag says, requires no water or requires very, like those are the ones that we buy, okay? Um, or the ones that say, you know, like, like does not require a lot of sunlight. The other day, my wife has like this little shelf of plants and I walked by it and there was just like all the dirt around it and the plant was just like shoved over into the shade. Well, I looked and Blakely had like dirt on her, on her mouth and was going, like the whole time walking around the house. So obviously she was the culprit of why it looked like that. So we now have to buy childproof plants and put them up on higher shelves and whatever. But you understand that if you don't nourish something, if you don't take care of it, that it will eventually die. And the way that most Christians live their life is they live their life just on the edge of feeling malnourished. They're so close to just slipping into this malnourished, unattainable, just unjoyable or lack of joy in their Christian life. They slip into that so easily and so quickly. And as a fellow Christian, here's what you are called to do. You are called to edify and nourish those around you. Meaning this, that when you as a Christian have been fed by God through the word of God, through other relationships, through prayer, it is your job to pass that along to someone else. It is your job to help bring someone else up. And in Romans chapter number 14, here's what the passage is basically breaking down. Some people will use Romans 14 as a list or as principles to be applied to standards, to be applied to how you interact with people personally, to kind of teach you how that you should have a standard, but a standard shouldn't be the whole goal. But right in the midst of all of that, he stops, and for just a second, he says, this is what you need to be doing. 
You don't need to be comparing this is what I do to this is what they do. You don't need to say that this is what I believe and this is what they believe. And so therefore, like we're, we can't be friends. He's talking about unity around one thing. And so in verse number 19, he says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify one another. Sadly, most Christians will live their Christian life comparing what someone else does that is different than they do, rather than set, stepping back and saying, this is an opportunity for me to encourage another brother and sister in Christ. And so with that in mind, I want to give you three quick thoughts from this passage about how to edify one another. The first one is this, is remember you will give an account. Remember you will give an account. When we talk about standing before God, to some, they see that as something that is fearful. They see it as something that is dreadful. They see it as something like, oh my goodness, I, I don't, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. But as I said in my prayer, I'm thankful that we serve a God that one of these days will hold us accountable. The first thing that he'll hold us accountable for is he will hold us accountable for our decision about what we've done with Jesus Christ, his son, and the gospel. If we have not accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, then one of these days when we stand before him, he will look at us and he'll say, I never knew you. So the first thing that we'll be held accountable for is what we did with the gospel. But the second thing that we will be held accountable for is what we did with our life after salvation. Christians will have to stand before God, and it does not determine whether or not you will receive heaven or hell, but we will answer for our life. I've heard people say, what if God were to show your life on a big screen? When you, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think that heaven has good technology and, and like HDMI cords and stuff, okay? So I don't know that that's a practical illustration. I think we made all of that up when people randomly got into videos in church, all right? But here's what I do believe. I do believe that one of these days we will stand before God and we'll have to answer for what we have done. I don't think that necessarily God's going to say, all right, on December 15th, you did blah, 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 okay? But we will answer for what we've done. Now watch this. However that looks, wouldn't it be great to stand before God and just simply be able to say, Lord, I know I wasn't perfect, but here's what I do know. I tried to walk with you. I tried to help others. I tried to reach those around me, and I tried to do everything to the glory of God. Those would be some pretty easily attainable goals. But watch. Most of us, we live our lives day to day so busy that we never even stop to think about what should I be doing for eternity. I don't think that as I scan across the room of the people who's in here, that you're going to stand before one God one of these days and you're going to have all this evil and wickedness that you have to give an account for. Like, God, you know what? I know I went to Franklin River Baptist Church, but I was just, on Monday through Saturday, I was just an absolutely evil person. Like, I just ran people off the road and, like, I was ticked and I yelled. I don't think that that's the crowd that I'm, I hope it's not, all right? But I don't think that's the crowd that I'm looking at. But here's what I do think is that most of us, while we may not be proactively involved in evil and wickedness, we also are not intentionally and proactively involved in edification. Would you agree with that statement? That most of us, I don't think that anyone in here is, once again, I hate to say stuff like this because if it comes out later on this week that I'm wrong, then I'm sorry, all right? I misjudged most of you. But like, I don't think anybody's in here like planning a murder, okay? Like, or or like planning a bank robbery or or something like that. If you are, please don't include me in that. All right. 
But at the same time, while we may not be involved in the dark or evil things of this world, we also can, just because of the way that life goes, not be involved in the good and the encouraging portion of our Christianity. And one of the ways that we step back and we kind of account for that and we reevaluate is when we say, one of these days, I'm going to stand before God. He says a couple of times, he says in verse number 11, he says, For as it is written, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. In light of all of that, in light of standing before God one of these, one of these days, the second thing that I want you to see is to stop looking at preferential differences. Stop looking at preferential differences. He says this, one of these days when you stand before God, you're going to give an account. Verse number 13, in light of that, let us therefore judge one another anymore. Let us therefore, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Let's break that verse down for just a second, okay? He says, don't judge what someone else is doing. In fact, if you want something to judge, here's something to judge. Are you causing other people to stumble? Do you want to know what most of our life is? Most of our life is pointing at what someone else is doing wrong while being blinded to what we are doing wrong. If you don't believe that, come hang out at our house for 20 minutes and watch Braxton and Baylor accuse each other of everything but murder. Like, honestly, like, Braxton killed me. Like, no, he didn't. You're talking about it, all right? Braxton's seven, Baylor's five. Sometimes I say Baylor's four, and she goes, no, I'm not four, I'm five. I'm like, I'm so sorry, all right? But the truth is, is that we live our lives like this, looking at what someone else is doing wrong. And very rarely do we evaluate what we are actually doing. And sometimes one of the healthiest things in the Christian life is to stop looking at what someone else is doing that you disagree with and start looking at your own life and evaluating what potentially God could disagree with. You want to know what pointing fingers is often a sign of? Pointing fingers at someone else is often a sign of insecurity of your own wrongdoings. I don't want to confront what I'm doing wrong, so I'm going to go and look at what everyone else is doing wrong. Yes, sir? Just remember, if you point one finger out, you got three pointing right back yeah. at you. Yeah, that's why I always point like this. <laughs> um, but when you do that, when you are looking for others' wrongdoings, here's what we are so often missing. The Bible does not say that the Word of God and that the work of God and what God is doing in your life will show up in other people's lives. It must show up in your life first. One of the things that, and, I, and I'm probably a little bit weird in this, okay? As an only child, one of the things that my parents drilled into me is that it is an awful way to live to constantly be finding someone else to blame in life. I coached basketball uh, my first couple years that I was on staff here. And I loved coming into the locker room afterwards, at, mainly after we lost, and hearing everybody's excuses for why we lost. Like, we could have got blown out by 60 and gotten dunked on. And there would be guys in the, in the locker room saying, man, the refs just blew it. It's like, no, no, you blew it. You stink. Like, that was what I wanted to say. I didn't say it, okay? I thought it. But... Well, sometimes we are so quick to look at what others are doing that we need to stop and say, no, 
I need to judge myself. And here's what so often happens. So often, while we point at others for their wrongdoing, people are tripping over us to get to Jesus. He says, judge this. Are you a stumbling block? Have you been given an occasion to make someone else falter and fail? Some of the people who are the known complainers of Christianity are the least involved, have, uh, don't, don't involve themselves in any type of service, don't, don't necessarily attribute anything, contribute anything to the cause of Christ. They have, they have a sour attitude. They, have, they lack joy. They, they, do all, they do everything that Christ teaches us not to do. And yet they want to point and tell someone else how their life is wrong. And if you are going to be an edifier, an encourager of someone else, someone who brings someone in the Christian life to the next level, it starts by you taking an evaluation and saying, you know what, you're going to be different than I am in some preferential areas. We're not talking about doctrinal areas. He makes that very clear. He says, we're talking about meat and drink, okay? We're talking about what you eat. That would be like someone in here leaving the church because I like Burger King and you like McDonald's. Okay, that's, that's literally what we're talking about here. They had turned it into something that was worth fighting about. There's some people that they go and they find arguments. Like, well, no one's really arguing, so I guess I need to go and find something to argue about. That's not what scripture teaches us. So stop preferential differences. Stop looking at preferential differences. Let's finish reading down through verse number 19. He says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus there is nothing unclean in and of itself. And, and, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then... Your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Here's what he says. He says, would you be willing to sacrifice for someone else to continue to grow? Would you be willing to sacrifice for someone else to continue to grow? There are things that my wife and I and my family do not because we necessarily have a strong biblical conviction of them, but simply because we know that it would not benefit those around us. We know that it would not take anyone to the next level. And so because of that, we're willing to sacrifice what we do so that it can help those around us grow. And many times what we look for in the Christian life is this. We look for ways to justify what we're doing and trying to get everyone else on board with it rather than saying, you know what, if it's going to hurt someone else, I'm willing to take a step back. And then the last thing is this. Not only should we remember to give, we'll give an account, stop looking at preferential differences, but we should seek a life of edification and peace. Seek a life of edification and peace. Verse number 19 to me is worded so spectacularly as only the Bible could. He said, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Follow after the things, meaning this, that you as a human being and as a child of God, are following someone or something, okay? 
lest you think that you're not, go and look at your Instagram account, okay? After we had our sportsman's night, um, I got tagged in some people's posts and some other stuff, and so I got, I like never pick up followers because I never post, okay? So um, anyways, that's not what I'm on there for. I don't really know why I'm on there sometimes, but anyways. But after uh, Sportsman's Night, I'd gotten tagged in some people's posts or whatever, and so I got on my Instagram the next day, and um, I had like all these like random outdoor places that had like started following me and like people that were sponsoring uh, stuff, and so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I'll follow them back. Okay. So now when I get on my feed, <laughs> I actually have looked. You know how you can see like who your most interactive things are. Okay, mine are never people okay like just so you know i'm never going to go 300 posts back and see what you had for lunch all right i'm not going to do it but i do really interact with sports bloopers okay i do really act with the pga tour and interact with the pga tour on there and i really interact with hunting uh stuff on my instagram and sports and all this stuff so I, like i said not really following it for the people following it for the sports and all this stuff but watch this I'm following, I made a decision to follow that, okay? I made a decision to follow that because I was interested in it. I made a decision to follow it because it piqued my interest, because it's intriguing to me, because it's something that I wanna learn, it's something that I wanna develop, it's something that I like looking at other people's $1,200 worth of hunting gear when I go to Walmart and barely and try to keep it under $100 of hunting gear, okay? I like looking at rich people hunting versus me as a poor person hunting, okay? I like to do that stuff, but watch this. That was because I made a decision to follow after that. And isn't it interesting that even something that was most likely built with a worldly and cultural mindset cause Instagram follow, the people that we interact with on Instagram, followers and follow, follows, is that what it says at the top? I can't even remember now. Who you follow and who's following you, okay? That's what the world classifies that as. Now watch this. Not just on social media, but in life, you choose who and what you follow. You may be following after a degree, and that's not a bad thing. But the chances of you forgetting someone and something else in the process of staying so focused on that degree is going to happen. The chances of you maybe forgetting someone else while you try to focus on a job and forgetting to be an edifier and forgetting to be an encourager and forgetting to focus on peace while you're just overwhelmed and stressed out, the chances of you doing that are very realistic. And so you are choosing who and what you follow. And Paul very clearly says this, follow after the things which bring peace. Follow after the things which edify one another. I'll close with this illustration. I said that I interact mainly on social media with sports. I think there's a, on Twitter, there's a couple ministry things that I interact with. The truth is, is that it's probably all negative anyway, so I kind of stay off of it too. But um, one of the things that I saw this past week was it was a quote by a basketball player who has taken a lot of criticism, and this is not a this is not a confirmation of his personal life or anything like that. I just found this quote interesting. But they asked him, it was Jim, his name was Jimmy Butler. I believe he's with the Heat right now. 
they asked him, they said, Jimmy, do you think you'll ever win a NBA championship? Or what do you think you have to do to win an NBA championship? And he replied something to this, to this statement. He said, I know that I could win an NBA championship. I just don't think that I'm willing to sacrifice the good of everyone else around me to accomplish that goal, meaning this. That he was unwilling to hurt or malnourish those around him so that he could accomplish what he wanted. He was willing, to, he was not willing to give that up. And for you, most of life is what am I willing to give up for my own good rather than for someone else's? We'll make financial sacrifices to get what we want. Isn't it funny how you talk yourself into buying stuff? Like some people are like, we just, Amazon, I told my wife the other day, I was like, I really actually think Jeff Bezos could potentially show up at our doorstep one day and give you some sort of award for how much we buy on Amazon. Like, <laughs> like, I, like if, the, if the Amazon guy drives by our house and doesn't stop, I feel like he's probably gonna turn in like a missing persons report or something, all right? But you can talk yourself into some weird, like especially if it's like the little Amazon recommended thing, like, like and it has like 17,000. I cannot tell you how much junk we have bought because it had 17,000 reviews or whatever, all right? We bought our mattress because it had high reviews. Like, it was like, yeah, absolutely. If, if 6,000 people, like you realize that probably 90,000 people bought that mattress and 84,000 of them said, eh, yeah, it's good. But 6,000 took the time to say, wow, this mattress is awesome. And it, it changed our decision. Like that's the world we live in now, all right? But we are often willing to sacrifice others for ourselves. And very rarely do we sacrifice ourselves for others. I'm going to forget about our relationship and our friendship because, man, I've got this that I've got to do. And so guess what? You're not bringing that person up. You're not edifying them. You're not encouraging them. You're not seeking or following after the things of peace. You're not seeking or following after the things that edify someone else. You are solely looking at what helps you. So here's the challenge for this week. What can you do this week, maybe before you even walk out of these doors today, that you can say, I'm going to edify and bring someone else up? For lack of a better term, I'm going to take my Christian watering pot and go and find the Christian that is malnourished the most, and I'm going to pour a little bit of water onto them. I'm going to, I'm going to invest in their lives. I'm going to ask them if they want to go out for coffee. I'm going to ask them if I can pray for them about anything. I'm going to send them a text this week. I am going to be a part of getting them to the next level of where I believe that God wants them to do. Do you understand that this week there will be people in Christianity that an encouraging text, or an encouragement from another fellow Christian could be the difference maker in their week. It could set, it could change the course of their week. It could change the course of their life. Because even though we took the time to share prayer requests in here, and we took the time to maybe talk to each other before class started or whatever, you don't actually know what's going on in the person's mind that you're seated right next to. And so this week, seek the things which edify and encourage and follow after peace. Let's pray. We'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening. 
If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.